Welcome to Shadows of the South. Episode 3, Tall Tales and Campfire Stories. This comes from Chapter 5 of my new novel, The Loop Breaker, A Beacon and the Darkness. The story begins when 16-year-old Leanne Daniels is forced to move in with her father in the country after the death of her mother. She consoles herself by exploring the nearby woods, but soon begins to hear a strange voice crying out for help. She seeks to explain this phenomenon and soon finds out about the legend of Thief's Hollow. Apparently some decades earlier, a group of thieves robbed several banks in the area and took up temporary residence in the hollow until they met their untimely demise in a confrontation with the sheriff in the dead of night. This was the explanation that the locals gave for the phenomenon, the voices that were heard in the woods. Leanna's just gotten in trouble at school after standing up to a bully who was trying to fight her friend Katrina. Now she must walk home and explain why she is suspended from school. Chapter five, Tall Tales and Campfire Stories. Leanne took her time walking home knowing that she had an uncomfortable confrontation waiting for her once she got there. Normally, this was the part of the day that she enjoyed. For the most part, it was a time of solitude except for the occasional vehicle roaring by. She relished the feeling of the sun on her skin and the quiet beauty of the woods that met the road most of the way home. The Franklin's place was the only other inhabited dwelling along their stretch of Green Creek Road, and it was almost a mile away. This remote quality was something that Leanne loved, yet found dismal at the same time. She pulled out her phone and noticed a dreaded text from her father. Got a call from your principal. Come straight home so we can talk about this. Fighting? What were you thinking? Leanne rolled her eyes, put the phone back in her pocket without responding, and wondered if her father would take the school side or her own. She didn't have long to find out. Despite all the drama originating from her defense of her friend, Leanne's thoughts were more concerned with the mystery of the colony that David had spoken about and the voice that she had heard. If nothing else, it allowed her to hold out hope that what she'd experienced was not the overworked imagination of a girl suffering from grief, but a possible encounter with the supernatural. She pondered the possibility that some restless spirit was reaching out to her, that she might possess some gift to bridge the world of the living and the dead. The more she thought about this, the more that explanation seemed almost as unsettling. She planned to see if her father knew anything about the legend, and if so, why he had kept it from her. Charles was pacing back and forth in front of the window, smoking a cigarette. The sight of this made Leanne know that he was very upset, and it made her much more nervous because he knew, she knew that he'd been trying to quit and hadn't smoked around her in quite some time. When he caught sight of her approaching the house, he quickly stubbed out his cigarette into an ashtray on the table and walked towards the door. Leanne took a deep breath and pushed the door open. Well, Charles frowned and crossed his arms. Something about the whole scene seemed comical to Leanne. Maybe it was the absurdity of people being angry with her for doing what she thought was the right thing at the time. Maybe it was the way her father always rolled up his sleeves and wore a vest, jacket, and several layers, even when it wasn't very cold outside. Something funny? No, sorry, Dad. Please just let me tell you exactly what happened. Charles went into the den 
and huffed for Leanne to follow. I'm listening, he said as he sat down in the dark brown armchair, motioning for her to sit on the opposite couch. Leanne took off her button-covered jean jacket and flung it on the couch. Now you know Shirley likes all the coats hung up right away, he reminded her. Got it, Leanne answered quickly, not wanting to fan the flames of his anger. She hung up the jacket and swiftly returned to her seat on the couch. Every day at school, those girls bully Katrina, and she's the nicest, coolest girl you'll ever meet, she stated. Charles leaned in and nodded. Today, Mary Hartford and that terrible shrew Jen Ledbetter came up and butted into our conversation. When Katrina told her it was none of her business, she called Katrina a fatty and pushed her to the ground. Leanne paused to gauge his reaction so far. His bushy brows were folded in, his mouth tight. Go on, he said. Well, I told her to take it back, calling Katrina fatty, and she refused, so I shoved her up against the locker. That's where you took a wrong turn. You know that's not the way to settle things. Well, you sound just like the principal, she retorted. I'm sorry, but she's right, hun. But you and mom both said that sometimes it's necessary to fight for what's right. Yeah, but this wasn't a situation where that was called for. Katrina's going to have to learn to defend herself, he insisted. Against two or three girls? Well, I do see your point, but shouldn't you have handled it differently? I'm sorry, Dad. I know I'm supposed to confess that I did something wrong and talk about how I should have handled it differently, but I don't think I did anything wrong. Charles was genuinely astonished, but also somewhat proud of her response. At that moment, she reminded him of his younger self, stubborn and self-righteous, and of his ex-wife, who had exhibited the same traits, which provided the initial attractive spark between them. Dad, she needed to be put in her place. I didn't hurt her. I just shoved her and sent her a message that we knew that we were going to stand up to her and not be pushed around. Look, I know she didn't threaten me directly, but mom always taught me to protect the people that are important to me and do what I think is best. Well, she was right about that too. Charles was a bit flustered, not wanting to seem like his daughter had won the argument, especially after getting into trouble. You're still grounded though, even if you did what you thought was right. You still broke a school rule. There are consequences for that, he said. Is that your idea or one of Shirley's? Leanne asked, regretting saying it as soon as it left her lips. Charles rose to his feet and flared his nostrils. I'm sorry, Dad. I was out of line there. I didn't mean that. I just noticed that sometimes she runs all over you and you don't stand up for yourself. He sat back down and put his head between his knees for a moment and scratched his head. Looking back up into his daughter's eyes, he took a deep breath. Tomorrow, I'm going up there to talk to Miss Lampkins and Mr. Harris about these girls. If they're going around bullying girls at your school, something's got to be done about it. Dad, no. It was, it'll just make things worse. They just want to retaliate against us for ratting them out, she insisted. My decision on this is final. Now go up to your room until I decide on the particulars of your grounding, he said, locking his fingers together under his mouth. Leanne sighed, got up, and ran for the stairs. And no phone, he added. She paused on the front stair, took out her cell phone, laid it on the banister, and continued her ascent up the steps. Throwing herself on the bed, she fell asleep within minutes, overcome by the emotional and physical exhaustion of the day. She thought of her mother, 
and how she would probably have defended her decision to look out for her friend. Feelings of loss and despair lingered on the edges of this thought, but fatigue took over, covering her in a comforting veil of sleep. When she awoke hours later, she looked out the window. The late afternoon shadows were being overtaken by a more complete darkness, leaking into the garden, which was now partially cleared of vines from her father's work on it the previous weekend. Her eyes were then drawn to the woods on the far right that bordered on the wildlife preserve. Although it could have easily been in her head, she swore she heard the voice again, high and shrill, off in the distance. Help! It was plaintive and sad at first, but increasingly panicked during the second utterance. The third time, it was undoubtedly a scream. Help! Leanne sprung to her feet and slipped on her vans. Her descent down the stairs and across the house happened so quickly, Leanne practically turned off all cognizance as if she were in a total single-minded trance. Before she could see her father's response to leaving the house, she was through the door and across the garden. The growing darkness from the woods seemed to be advancing like a dark cloak was about to be thrown over the house. Help me, the voice cried out again, closer this time, and followed by the unmistakable sound of a gunshot. Or was it multiple gunshots? There might have been another voice in there, higher in register. Leanne paused, thinking of the foolishness of running into a situation where she could potentially be shot. But something drove her on through the tangled thorns and brambles of the woods, despite the potential danger. By the time that she made it to the edge of the preserve, the darkness was complete. She ventured over the hill and into the hollow she'd previously visited and onto the next hill beyond that. After descending the rocky hillside, she followed what seemed to be a cleared footpath that led like a tunnel between adjacent hills. Despite the total near darkness, Leanne pressed on as if she'd been this way before, her flashlight guiding her. The silhouette of two buildings ahead stopped her in her tracks. One of them appeared more sturdy and newer than the other. Leanne guessed the newer larger structure was a house and the other a barn of some sort, although it was too far away for her to be sure. Her gaze shifted as if something stirred in the leaves on the forest floor. Someone or something was clearly slumped over on its stomach just a few yards to her right, stirring the leaves with kicking feet. Leanne put her hand to her mouth as she drew closer. There was another sound like someone running through the forest. Leanne thought of the gunshots and ducked behind a tree. From there, she peered into the gloom but could not find the source of the footsteps. Looking over at the figure on the ground, which Leanne was much closer to now, she realized it was a woman in a nightgown who had stopped moving. The sound of footsteps in the leaves had ceased, and Leanne got back up to head towards the woman to see if she could help her. As she reached the woman, she was close enough to see a spot of blood on her side. The woman's hands were obscured within the leaves, and her features shrouded by the dark, curly locks of her hair. You can help them. You must. The voice in Leanne's head was comforting yet insistent. There was something strangely familiar about it, although she couldn't match the voice with anyone she knew. Help! The shrill voice yelled again as someone grabbed Leanne's arm from behind. Leanne whirled around and looked into the face of a girl, also in a nightgown. Her face, almost as pale white as her attire, was wide-eyed with fear. Leanne screamed at the sight of her, sitting straight up in her bed. What the, she said, feeling disoriented as she rubbed her eyes to make sure she was really awake this time. She jumped up and went immediately to the window. 
The garden and woods were bathed in twilight, not in darkness as it was in her dream. She took a deep breath and went back to sit on the edge of her bed. She needed to pull herself back into the present and get a handle on the meaning of it all. Over dinner, Leanne was quiet and lost in her thoughts, mainly because she was mulling over everything that was happening and also to avoid talking about the day's event with Shirley. Shirley looked at her almost as, as if she could sense this. So, I understand you got into trouble at school today, Shirley said, her face stoic and serious. Yes, we had it out already. Leanne is grounded, Charles explained, smiling softly at his daughter. Leanne smiled at her father's efforts to save her from another lecture. Well, I certainly hope you learned your lesson. I used to know girls who fought a lot growing up, and I think at least one of them is now in jail. She doesn't fight a lot. This is the first time she's ever been in one, Charles interjected. I know, dear, but we don't want this to lead to a pattern. Besides, the Hartfords are a pretty upstanding family. You don't want to become known for roughing up John Hartford's daughter, she chided. Leanne's eyes widened as she looked at Shirley. So that's it, then. She's worried about her reputation, Leanne thought. Leanne looked over at her father and changed the subject, not wanting to hear what her stepmother might say next. So, Dad, what do you think about a haunted hollow, she asked, swearing she heard his fork clang loudly against the plate like he dropped it. Haunted hollow, he asked. Yeah, David, a boy at school, says there's a place inside the wildlife preserve next door that's haunted, that only hunters go there, but no one goes there after dark. Well, no one goes there after dark because it's a remote place and it's illegal to hunt there at night, he insisted. So there's no legend about a colony that lived there, she inquired. Charles and Shirley's eyes met when she said this. So there is, she asked. Okay, so there is something that happened out there, Charles finally admitted. Well, what happened? Well, there wasn't a colony. It was a group of thieves, he said. David says many believe that there's, there was some kind of colony out there, Leanne said, thinking aloud. Maybe he's heard a different version of the story, but that's the way I heard it. Some, see, some thieves that had been robbing banks in the area, they, they had even murdered someone in town. He picked up his fork, ready to resume eating again. Why is it so hard to believe that there are a group of thieves or a colony or the woods or whatever, she wondered. That's not the part that's hard to believe, dear, Shirley chimed in. It's the stories you hear about voices and people in the woods. Aha, so it's true. People think it's haunted, Leanne declared. Again, tall tales and campfire stories. They used to tell that one at the Boy Scout camp over at Hohenwald when I was growing up, Charles said with a grin. So what happened to these thieves, Leanne inquired. Well, it's pretty commonly known in these parts. According to the story, the thieves took up in a hideout way back in what later came to be known as Thieves Hollow after committing all sorts of robberies in the area. Like I said, they killed someone in town. I believe they killed the wife of a prominent man. I guess they were probably breaking in because they knew he had money. Once they found the location of the thieves' camp, there was a shootout in the dead of night between the Laverne Sheriff and his men and the thieves, he said. Well, who won, Leanne asked as she leaned in, propping up her chin with her fist. Police did, I reckon. None of the thieves made it out alive. I see. So there must be stories about it from the papers back in the 40s, she declared. Well, I'm sure there are, Charles answered. So why haven't you ever told me about any of that, Leanne asked. Charles sighed, looked over at Shirley, and then back to Leanne. 
I don't know. I guess I don't want you to be scared of the stories. I was trying to pr- uh, protect you, I reckon. Well, I'm 16 now. I think I'm old enough to hear it, she insisted. I certainly don't want you to be afraid of the woods as much as you love them, he went on. Don't worry, she said. For a moment, she thought about bringing up the issue of the voices she'd heard and the dream that she'd had. But as she looked up at Shirley's condescending eyes staring at her, she thought better of it. The end.